one billion years in the future, Earth still exists, though maybe not as we imagine it. Eras upon bygone eras worth of technology have been left behind by eight previous and fallen civilizations. It is now up to the denizens of the Ninth World to piece together what was left behind. Perhaps they're looking to carve out their place in the world, or simply to survive a land riddled with weird and unearthly dangers. Or perhaps still, they just wish to learn and uncover the secrets of the Numenera. Whatever it is this new era of adventurers and heroes is looking to discover, they'll have to dig through the imprinted echoes of the past to find it. Anamnesis. Noun. The recollection or remembrance of the past. Reminiscence. Hello, and welcome to Imprinted Echoes, a family-friendly Numenera actual play podcast. I'm Zan, and I'm your GM. Thank you for joining us today, and as always, we hope you're staying safe and healthy. Now, with extra appendages and an extra squishy companion, the group presses on. Of course, there's weird stuff to uncover, but this part of the ruins seems to be oddly productive. Rivals are encountered, objects are retrieved, and economic systems are broken. Join us as Nehemiah, Smallren, and Jory seize the means of production. Nehemiah, Brex, and other Brex all gear up to try and clear some of the rubble that is blocking this door. Nehemiah, it is going to be a level two might roll. Okay. There's a lot of big stuff that's in there, but really it's more about endurance than anything else. Sure. Making sure that you can actually keep up with moving it. Mm-hmm. Just going to go ahead and spend three and just take it down to zero. Okay. Yeah. Great. Brex is also kind of scooping things away and... I'm just going to point out now that people have been putting in our game chat right now different things to call this uh, <laughs> newly birthed Brex version, and we have things such as Jelly Baby Brex and Sour Patch Brex. I was just going to go with Brex and Sticky Brex. Sticky Brex. <laughs> like one of those little sticky hands you get from Chuck E. Cheese. Yep. yep. Yo, yeah, yep. <laughs> one of the little yep. lizards. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gelatinous Brex also is pulling things away. It's not as strong because, again, it is a level one creature. Mm -hmm. So it's not as great at doing any of these things, but it is able to help move some of the smaller bits of rubble. And you do clear out that doorway. And as you step into the hallway, that strip of light that is in each corner of these diamond-shaped hallways lights up down the hallway. So you can see a very long area that extends. Mm -hmm. All right. Onward and outward, I guess. After everything that has continued to happen to us in this <laughs> in this bundle of ruins, I would like to put a hand on Nehemiah's arm and step up to go first and have the Ogrim orb and my eye stock on full alert and just generally be like checking for traps all the way down this hallway and whatever's on the other end, whatever door we come to or go through, Smallrin wants to be actively checking for traps now. Absolutely. Go ahead and roll perception level four. Sweet. I am going to spend for the point of effort since she was really putting putting mm -hmm. her all into this. And I'm trained. A failure with a three. Mm. 
Good golly. Actually, you know what? That's embarrassing. I'm going to spend for late inspiration to retry the task with an asset. Yeah. Because <laughs> good golly. There it is. Success with a four. <laughs> you set the orb to its task and using the eye stalk actively. Kind of like a teacher with a hyperactive student, you have to spend time redirecting your Ogrim orb because it is continually trying to force its way out of your eye and into the the eye stalk because it wants to be there. And you have to kind of like constantly mentally say, no, this is your task. No, this is what you're focusing on. This is your job. You have a very important job and it is your job alone. I do also Good try Lord. to explain to it that the eye stock is temporary and if it forces its way into the eye stock, I won't be able to use it anymore and we'll be separated. You are able to redirect it enough, just literally barely enough to get it to focus on the task at hand and you do not see any sort of trap or thing that you might run into as you are walking down this very long hallway. You make your way to the next door. And inside, you see a roughly triangular-shaped room, according to the map. And there are dozens of devices that are kind of like robotic arms, some with little pincer-like grabber things, others that kind of look like maybe insect legs or human hands protruding from the walls and the ceiling. And the floor, except for a narrow path going to each door. So there are four doors in total to this room. And so there's a narrow path that all kind of meets in the middle. Except for that, the floor is filled with a red liquid that as these devices are reaching down into it and picking up out of the liquid solid cubes of synth. Hmm then injecting them with various gases. And as that happens, it changes shape and transforms and shapes into various things that are made out of synth. Some of them containers, some of them simple objects, some of them more like raw materials, like little panels or rods or things like that, but all made out of synth that they are pulling out of this red liquid. Hmm. Well... I suppose we could just head down one of the paths and um, stay out of the sticky. Should I unlock the door? Yeah, probably makes a sense. Okay, I'm going to cover up my face again, afraid of bad smelling things now. <laughs> I'm gun shy. And I will wave the stick. You put it up next to the three lights that are to the right of the door. And those three lights kind of flash in a various sequence until it finally lands on a particular pattern. That pattern is then matched on the door and there is a click and that force field dissipates in front of you and you are able to head in. Before we head in, we'd like to check the doorway and the just inside the door to see if anything looks sus. <laughs> I will give you that with this room. There is so much going on here. There is so much movement and and these devices, these arms are constantly doing something. If there was a trap in here, it probably already would have been triggered. Okay. Mm. There's already so much going on in here. As you walk down this thin pathway, you have to go single file. There is not room to go more than one abreast. Near the center where all four of the paths meet, there is a panel 
kind of like circular interface that comes up from the floor. It has like a glass top and looks like there might be images and different things that you could interact with on it. And as you look at the images that are on the panel, you see that some of those things are the objects and materials and containers that these arms are making. Hmm. Interesting. You think that there's a possibility you could redirect these arms to make specific things within reason, if you'd like them. Hmm. Simple objects made out of synth, if there's something that you need. Oh, that's tough. Smaller and seriously contemplating whether it's worth it to take the time to have it make her a knife. These are being made fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. It is not something that is taking a half hour to make one thing. Like these arms will inject whatever it is they're injecting into these cubes. And over the course of 60 seconds, this object or material or container is created. It just reshapes the synth to the proper form. Huh. Hmm. Wow. Ooh. Actually, do we think it would be possible if I played with it correctly to have it make me more ammunition for the buzzer. Yes. Hmm. Smallrin has ideas. Smallrin <laughs> has thoughts. <laughs> Smallrin always has thoughts. I'm picturing this as like a big, super complicated 3D printer. Yes, that's exactly what this is. Cool. Hmm. I'll give it a shot. I'll do it. Okay. There's no roll involved. It is simple enough that you can just go through. What are you making? I am making kind of a long holster situation. So it will go around my shoulders and my back. There'll be multiple like little pockets and things, maybe one or two larger kind of dangly ones off to the side and maybe a strap or two for long things like my staff and the key and that sort of thing. And this is mostly to hold the egg? Yes, or any anything else that three arms okay. can't um, and pockets... Don't really, you know. You do a little bit of poking around and editing within this interface, and you're able to do it, and you essentially click the print button, and one of the arms swings around, picks up one of these cubes out of the red liquid, injects it with something, and as it starts to form it, this strap, holster, pocket, pouch situation takes form, and it then takes it and holds it near you. You notice that the other arms are taking these and putting them, once they're finished, into cubbies that seem to be on like conveyor belts, taking all of these objects to different places. Hmm. But this one in particular, because you entered it in, holds it above the interface. And it's kind of like uh, silicone, essentially. It's, mm -hmm. it's pliable and flexible. All right, I'll squeeze it on and um, that's snug. Distributes the weight quite nicely, I think. Give it a shot. Anybody else? Yeah, Smallrin is going to go in and look for the weapons file and see if she can make some basically like hard plastic buzzer discs. Sure. I'll say with one go, you can make a full magazine's worth, which is five. Cool. And she is going to go into the thing and modify it slightly so that there is essentially a hollow space in the middle of each of them where you could put like a drop of poison. Poison. Yep. <laughs> You, you had to know there it was is. coming. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, perfect. And she is she is going to make herself two sets, essentially, just so that she has them on hand. And again, cubes are picked up, gases are inserted, and over the course of a minute or two, you have the buzzer discs held over the interface waiting for you to take them. Reaches out, grabs them, and tucks them away into her belt. Brex goes up and looks at the interface and just pokes like two things and you see an arm go and it makes a helmet that it then puts over the head of Jelly Brex. 
Good. It's very cute. Good. Uh, we now have another name, Horabrex, like Haribo. Yep. Does Jelly Baby Brex, <laughs> do they have a weapon? Do they also have, like, a jelly no. maul? No. Smallrin is going to go in and look for, I don't know if this machine would have a maul in its interface, but... It has, like, a big hammer. I was going to say, like, a big hammer or, like, a baseball bat kind of thing, yeah. Smallrin goes in and punches it in and dials up the size significantly so it will match. So now it has a hard synth helmet and hard synth club. While all this is going on, Nehemiah is going to just turn a bit, but it's like, hey... Take a scan of this room. I have a feeling Rufus would be very interested in the all of this that's going on. And I think being able to send that back would be a nice little treat for them. I don't know how much they'd be able to replicate, but worth a thing. Bitbit beeps and flies to the top of the room and kind of like starts a scan. You can see like a light kind of Mm -hmm. emanate out from around them and just slowly descends, kind of scanning the entirety of the room top to bottom. As you're looking around, you do also notice that there are some spaces where it looks like arms have been that might have been broken off or salvaged. Areas where the like conveyor belts, holes that are taking these items away have been like broken off or maybe like tried to travel down. Mm. You're probably not the first group of people that have been through here, Mm -hmm. but it is still functional. Just there are some areas that have not been treated as nicely. Sure. Makes sense. Right. Anything else for the Synth Factory? Nothing I can think of. This will be a not a bad place to stop back on our way back through. I mean, maybe there's a couple of things we could have it produce and moss. That way we can, like, take it back up to Hawk. But can I have this thing just print me a bunch of shins? <laughs> <laughs> Made of sin. Yeah, like, our, like, is uh. that... Did I? Oh no! Did I just find a money factory? <laughs> oh no! And then, <laughs> and then we started counterfeiting shins, and it all went downhill I mean, from shin, there. What are, what are shins except like little bits it's of like synth. metal? And oh sins. my gosh! You're right though. Yeah, it really is. Like oh shoot! Oh no! Like I promise, I'm 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 not gonna try to like break the entire economy here. <laughs> but can I? Well, that's a, yeah. that's even assuming that there is like a central shin production point. Like, aren't shins meant to be just pieces of whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think you can break that type of economy. Yeah, you could. You can print yourself shins. Okay. <laughs> Well, to be fair, there's only so much we could physically carry. I did just make something right. with a lot of pockets, so. <laughs> I'm down for this because how much uh, yeah. money do we want? How much money does Nehemiah make? <laughs> let, let, let's let's call it an even hundred. <laughs> oh I am going to have you roll for this because shins are supposed to kind of like you said be random bits and pieces yeah. of things. There isn't a shin file, so so this is something that you are making uh, like just like all right, that kind of looks like something I would pay with. Mm-hmm somewhere. Um, I'm going to have you roll me uh, an intellect level three to make these a hundred pieces that are random enough that you could pass them off as shins. Okay. Smallrin does still have eight shins on her. 
So we have okay. something that we could use as like kind of a basis for this. Okay, I'll give you an asset for that. I will go ahead and that's intellect. So I am going to spend two to get a point of effort on that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a success with a five. I'm glad I spent yep. all the things. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it takes you a little bit longer than the other objects that sure. people have been creating just because again, it is kind of random and trying to make it not particularly look counterfeit, uh-huh. but you're able to make a hundred shins Excellent. over the course of the next bit of time. I also like to think with especially smaller and Nehemiah's kind of less legal backgrounds that the two of them are standing over the screen just conferring about mm-hmm. like counterfeiters they've known and advice they've gotten. Is there a way that I can maybe transfer this file over to BitBit? Yeah. Yeah, cool. I've already had bit, bit, scan, yep. other things, so 100%. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> bit, bit, the repository for all forbidden knowledge. <laughs> uh, we now have probably the most valuable file in the city. Actually, that's fair. Like, if we need to pay off investors, this is actually not bad. It's like, hey, there is a relatively easily accessible thing. It's a little dangerous to get to, but if you get to it, you can literally print money. We can tell you exactly what to do and how to do it. I don't intend to come back to this city. It's probably fine. And actually, once you transfer the file to BitBit, Smallrin mm-hmm. goes back in and makes sure it is erased in this system. <laughs> Smart. Okay. Nobody else have this idea. <laughs> Well, if they have the idea, yes, but no one else has done it that we know of. Like, otherwise, someone would have claimed this space and locked it off to explorers a long time ago. 100%. 100%. And if somebody does this discreetly enough, they don't even have to lock stuff off. Also, Smallrin does have it print her a knife. Well, yeah. (laughs) Just before we go, she's going to have it print her a dagger. Seven. If we were not down here specifically, like, for specific information and to save specific people, we would be leaving right now. Speaking of specific people, BitBits does kind of check on that signal that you had it lock onto previously. And it does sense it Mm -hmm. down here. BitBit does sense that signal somewhere nearby, somewhere in these ruins, most likely. Mm. You can set it to do like a hot cold kind of scenario. As you are looking at all of the doors, Mm -hmm. the door to the north and the east still have force fields in front of them. The door to the west does not. Anyone else think we should go that way? I do, but that's still that going around the edge of the room sort of brain. It is. Well, I mean, I feel like either north or west makes the most sense. That way we can kind of stay in this single loop that we're in and that'll take us back through. And this way, we're not waiting for the uh, authenticator to buzz us through above the Lake of Red. Sounds good to me. Mm-hmm. You head down that hallway. How are you proceeding? Smallrin is doing the thing again. No more traps. Okay. No traps. No traps. Go ahead, roll perception level three. Success with a seven. There are no traps in this area. This seems to be an untouched hallway in that sense. Hmm. But as you are moving closer towards the end of the hallway, you do see that that force field, uh, but you hear voices coming from the room at the end of the hall. Hmm, voices. Ah, actually, hold on. Please wait, please hold. Hold on. Um, <laughs> so yeah, if we hear voices, Smallrin's gonna kind of wave the others back real quick. 
And then she's going to vanish. And she's going to move up to the end of the hallway and look through the translucent door. Remind me how long that lasts? A short amount of time. And while invisible, I have an asset on stealth and speed defense tasks. Awesome. So I'll give you what you hear and see within that amount of time. You look into the room and you do see four people who have made camp of some sort near the center of this room. A small tent and a, not a fire, but like some sort of heated cipher, bit of Numenera. They've got like a little camp stove or something. Kind of. Yes, yes. And the room itself is circular. And along the outside circumference, there are hundreds of small alcoves, some that are open, others that have opaque synth panels in front of them. And there is one person who is looking at one of these panels and trying to force it open and does actually do so. They force this panel to slide up and away from the alcove and they take what looks like an actual like cipher or artifact, like an actual piece of Numenera out from the alcove and puts it into a small pile that they have been accumulating near their camp. There is a plainly dressed person, smaller and kind of shrewd looking, in a very squeaky voice, complaining about being in these ruins for too long. We've been here for two days now, just opening things. We, we got as far as we have here, and we've been camping here for two days. Can we please move on to something else? This is becoming exceedingly boring a larger, more powerful person who is built much more like Nehemiah, broad-shouldered, muscular, and in a very gruff voice says, Listen, Falco, you need to be quiet because if we can pull this off, we won't have to go into another ruin for months. You just need to keep yourself together and we'll have the biggest payoff we have in a long time. The person who is jimmying these alcoves open, is an austere and very lithe person who speaks in a very sharp and clear voice. Listen, I absolutely agree with you there, but we do have a limited amount of supplies and we are running low. I know that we can make certain things, but someone made away with our automated cook And if we don't find that, we aren't going to be able to survive down here much longer. And then someone comes out of the tent. A swarthy, very grounded person, but has a domineering sneer on their face. In a very smooth voice, says, If the lot of you were more perceptive, we wouldn't even be in this situation. The fact that we are in this room and not progressing farther is the fact that not a single one of you were able to see that danged automaton making its way towards us. And running through that mess of goo in the other room really didn't help. The constant traps have been slowing us down, and not one of you noticed that random person taking the automated cook to begin with. So, you've all made your own bed. And the last thing you hear before you know your invisibility is going to go is the gruff voice, the wide-shouldered person saying, you know, one more set of eyes would have been great if you didn't kill someone. We might not be here either. 
the voices continue and kind of getting a little more heated and almost fighting about something, but you start to make your way back. Okay. I will give you one more thing. The other thing that you see in the room is sleeping by the camping stove is a creature that looks kind of like a dog, but is a little bit different. It just has a distinctly human face. I don't like it. <laughs> oh. These are common enough. This is called a thuman. They are animals, but are incredibly empathetic and usually are tied to a particular person and have a very strong tie to one person or another. It will fight to the death in defense of its master. Cool, cool, cool. They also understand language very well. They cannot speak, but they can understand almost full conversations. Mm. So yeah, Smallrin is going to kind of rejoin the others and wave them back into the production room, the printing room, and very quietly tell them the majority of what she saw, but especially the fact that these people sound like they're doing similarly to us in that they're looking for things of value down here. They seem to have found a lot of stuff in that room, so they aren't leaving it quite yet, but there's infighting happening. And also there is someone else down here because someone stole their automatic cook or whatever it was. Yeah, automated, automated cook. cook. It, it, that's probably a, an artifact or a cipher that creates food. food. Yeah. Somebody stole that from them and they're pissed off about it. Unless that was a shin spinner, maybe. Mm. Could have been, but they specifically said a person. Okay, yeah. fair enough. And apparently there's tensions within the group because somebody killed someone else. There was supposed to be a fifth member of their group who is apparently dead. <sighs> well, we did come across one dead person. <laughs> They were a little um, older, I too, think. Too long dead. Yeah. Right. Um, Unless, I don't know. It, either way, got a way to get around down here, and they've somehow also managed to get around the doors as well in such a way that they're able to turn stuff on and off, because if they're in there, then, you know. They feel secure like, in there. They're yeah. established. The real question is, do we want to confront them or do we want to avoid them until we absolutely have to? If they think somebody stole something from them, they're going to be on high alert for anybody else in here. We could, in theory, if they're leery about often folk, mm. maybe it would be better to not take the stealthy approach in this one. Like go up and straight up knock on the door, see what's going on and just be on our guard around them if they've killed once they'll kilt again but if we go up and say hi maybe they'll be a little bit more leery about doing that if we're sneaking around then they're gonna think we're the ones that nicked their cook thing whatever i mean it's simple enough to show that we don't have it i don't want to show them all we got (laughs) exactly should we just um maybe avoid them for now it's the other option we could Go ahead and take the hallway on the opposite side and explore the rest of this joint and hope that by the time we make our way back to this side, they've gone off and are doing their own thing. My only concern with letting them leave without confronting them at all is that they will take what we're looking for with them. Also the possibility. Don't like that. My thought is perhaps we try to explore what we can of the rest of the facility quickly, and if we determine that the mask we're looking for isn't there, then we need to confront them before they go. Mm. 
Sounds reasonable enough to me. I'm down. Other option is we could take the north side, uh, the north exit out of here and explore the rest of the the, uh, the two rooms up there and mm-hmm. then come around to them on the other side. It looks like they've already been through here. So if they're continuing to move forward, they're going to have to meet us that way. Does that sound like a, kind of a good midpoint there? Yes, let's do that. I think that sounds reasonable. All right. You head back the way you came into the synth printer and then take the northern exit from that room. Jory again putting the key up to the edge of that sensor and it blinking, finding the correct sequence and the two devices conferring with that door opening. Same procedure going through in terms of who's going first Mm -hmm. and what's happening. Yeah. At this point, I will say the eye stock and the orb have gotten used to what they can look for in the hallways. They've reached and an if uneasy are, alliance. <laughs> yes. If you are looking for traps in hallways, I will automatically give you that information. Rooms will be a different check, though. Cool. Because they're different as you move through them. You head up to the next door, and looking in, it's a very irregularly shaped room. It's got little pockets and and areas that are connected to it. But this is another very busy room. There are dozens of automatons, some of them small, like hand-sized little robots, like rolling or flying or shifting around. Others are a little bit larger, not quite human-sized, but large enough that they might be able to carry something big. And they are interacting with each other, pressing buttons on interfaces, on the walls, moving in and out of apertures that have opened up in the walls and the floor and the ceiling, coming in, pressing a couple of buttons, going back through a hole, another one might pop out, some sort of communication with one of the other automatons. They go their separate ways. They're just moving around, pressing buttons, communicating with each other, and then leaving and coming back or whatever it might be. Open the door. Scan for traps. Yes. <laughs> Open the door. Scan for traps. Level three perception. Yeah. <laughs> perception. Success with a 16. There don't seem to be any traps in this room. In we go. As you walk into the room, the automatons ignore you. They move around you if they get in your way, but they aren't interacting with you. They don't seem to care about the fact that you're here. They move around you as though you are an object in their space. The one thing you do notice, though, is that there is a cube that is on the floor, maybe six-inch square cube that's made of metal that has some etchings around the outside. And it's kind of being kicked around, not like actively. They aren't playing soccer with it. But as these machines are moving and shifting within the space, it might get knocked aside by one or kicked one way by another or rolled up and over by a third. It's just kind of in the room being knocked around absentmindedly. What do you think their end goal is? What is the, what, 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 what is this accomplishing, I wonder? Bit, bit. I don't suppose you speak whatever's going on in here, do you? <laughs> Ooh. Can Bitbit communicate with the automatons? They're kind. Bitbit floats up and instead of going to one of the automatons, goes over to one of the various panels that are on the wall that these robots seem to be interacting with and kind of pulls an R2-D2 and like flips out a little arm and sticks it into a port that is on the edge and gives a, a series of little chirps and beeps and after a moment comes back to you and Bitbit doesn't really have a way of 
talking. BitBit no. can record information and mm-hmm. store it and can also record like messages to send back and forth to people, but can't talk in and of itself. So BitBit shows like a hologram of some of the information. You can't read the language, mm-hmm. but it looks like a manifest, like a list of objects and things and then maybe locations because you see like a list of different things that are all kind of different what is clearly a time stamp Mm -hmm. of some sort and then a list of places and those places and and things like you see some duplicates here and there so you're not sure what that says but it is some sort of like list of objects and maybe where they're stored sure this is just barely on the side of being useful hey wait hey jory can you read this Oh, let's take a look. It is not the same language that you know from the people back at Legam. Mm-hmm. If you want to try to figure out this language, oh, yes. you can. That would be intellect level six. <laughs> oh. Okay. Then we will spend... Fail with a seven. Yep. Hopes won't I. You're able to get the same kind of information. That looks like a list of objects, maybe where they're going. You, I will give you that you get the sense that this is maybe some sort of organization for what's being made in the previous room. That was kind of what I was thinking, especially because there looks like there's a very long list of just these small, strange little pieces of things. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know if I can see that or not, that it would be a hundred yeah. shins that had... Yep. And uh, I see here... Uh, yep, yep, this is a catalogue of things. Now, let's see, we have timestamps, so everything was made. Ooh, let's see, let's see. What else has been made recently? Not that I can really read what, but I can see the dates. Even aside from the things that you have made specifically, mm-hmm. this facility is making its own things as well. Mm-hmm. There were things being made as you were in there that weren't the stuff that you asked it to make. Mm-hmm. So there's dozens of things that have been made even in the past hour. Where is it getting commands to do all these things? Or does it just experiment? Interesting. It may just kind of go for a while. Uh-huh. I mean, this thing's been down here for how long? It's got time to iterate upon itself. Hmm could be random. Also, where are all these things going, exactly? That's the question. That is the question. Well, what's going on with that cube, anyway? Still being kicked around? I'm so afraid. You know, it, seem, it seems to me that this, this... Whenever I see something that's so locked in a routine, if you change the routine, it could really cause things to freak out. Mm-hmm. I want to pick up that cube, but what if it being bounced around is somehow part of the routine of these things, and if something changes, it might go bananas? I will point out that they seem, to the extent that they are conscious, largely unconscious of the cube. True. Oh, well, I'm going to go pick it up. All right. You go pick it up. It's kind of cold in your hands, as metal as ought to be. Mm -hmm. Six by six by six cube. And you can see those etched lines on it kind of glowing a little faintly. Mm-hmm. But that is, you have a cube. Without any sort of further investigation, that's what you have. I don't suppose we see any six by six uh, slots any place that a cube might fit in. You do not. Okay. I have acquired a cube. I'm not sure what to do with it, but I feel very drawn to it for some reason. Could I investigate a bit? Sure. 
Understanding Numenera level five. Okay, I am untrained and fail with a 13. Again, hopes went high. It is kind of a cube. Mm. I will give you that you think this is some sort of storage device. Mm -hmm. No idea what it stores, but it stores something. You think information, mm -hmm. and that is all you can figure out. I think I'm going to carry this around with us for a bit, and uh, if necessary, I'll leave it someplace. But just in case, I do have a third arm. You're going to have the cube held in the third arm? Yep. Great. I like that Jory got a third limb and is using it mostly for storage purposes. <laughs> <laughs> That's correct. I don't trust it to write yet because I haven't had... I'm not ambidextrous to start off with, so that would be... And, and then same thing with wielding the staff. I think I just knock myself in the head a lot. Well, did it end up on the right side or the left side? And which hand does Jory write with? Um, on the right... And I am right-handed, but I but right point oh, I think point point one. I I, I just don't think um, I don't know. It feels like a second left hand, <laughs> and that is pretty much all else that is in this room. As you enter in, you are able to see, as the map also indicates, that there is another door, kind of like around the corner to the left of where this door is, leading to the next room. I think that's the next step. All right, off we go. Door is unlocked. And you head into the hallway. Again, no traps, as Smallrin takes lead. Mm -hmm. You walk up to the next room. It's a rectangular room, and looking at it through the force field door, the floor of this room is a glossy, translucent synth, underneath which bubbles a dark liquid. And if you look closely enough, you think there are objects in that liquid. In the center of the room is a round tube that is also kind of glossy synth that looks to be like some sort of interface, something that you could interact with. Smallrin like to check this room for traps, but both shin spinner traps and just like, this room looks like it could potentially be terrifying. <laughs> mm -hmm. You open the door and check for various traps. Go ahead and roll perception level three. I'm going to spend for a point of effort for that just because this room makes her uneasy. The whole translucent or transparent floor thing is like, eh. failure with a two. And roll 20 said, no, <laughs> absolutely not. You are transfixed by whatever is bubbling beyond that synth floor. You try to look around, but even the Ogrim orb is like, ooh. What is that? What, that? There's something in there, and that's another thing, and what is that? And ooh, 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 just constantly looking at what might be inside this liquid that is below the floor. And you don't see any traps. Nehemiah is going to move to look through the next door that leads back to the room where we saw the other Delvers hanging out. Do I see anyone coming through, recognize any obvious signs that they've been through here yet? No, it does not look like they are making their way there. It also doesn't look like this door has been messed with. You can't tell if it's been opened by legitimate means, mm. but it hasn't been tampered with, right. at least. Okay. Nehemiah will keep posted up at that door, just kind of leaning off to the side of it, just to essentially act as a ambush guard if they decide to come on through. And again, at the center of the room, there is this tube, but there are text boxes floating around in the space that is on the surface, almost like a screen that is circular and then rises up like a tube. 
Ah, well, let's investigate what's written there, I suppose. I do like languages. It's in the same language that you're pretty sure that all the other stuff mm. that you've tried to read here is in. I wonder if I stare at it long enough I'll begin to understand vowels. Are there any buttons or anything else like that around? No, you think it's a touch screen. Ah, I will touch. <laughs> okay, what do you touch? I'll try text box first. Sure. You tap on it, and it kind of like zooms out and takes up a good portion of this interface. And then a light, like a kind of holographic scanning light, mm. um, comes out from this interface and highlights somewhere, like points it somewhere on the floor. And as it does that, an object, because you've seen things kind of like in the liquid underneath this floor, an object comes to the surface and is pressed up against underneath the floor so you can see it clearly. And it looks to be like a cipher or an artifact. And there is then information listed. Go ahead and roll me, you know what, I'm going to say history, level three. Okay, I am trained in that. Success with an eight. You have interacted with a number of different devices in your time delving and going through places and thoroughly engaging with languages. And you see a number of buttons at the top of this text box, but then at the bottom, there is another thing that you could select. You think it might be a translation button. I'm going to press that. Oh, yes. Okay. You press it, and a little image pops up that kind of looks like a microphone. Mm Mm-hmm get the idea that it's wanting you to speak. Um, hello? Uh, uh, this language, please. <laughs> I hope it's asking for what I think it's asking for. It is asking for a language sample. Do you need a writing sample as well? Because I... There's only one hand. Wait, wait never mind. Um, and the symbol goes away, and you see all of the letters and indications on this kind of changing, and it eventually reads out into something that you can... Decipher. <laughs> Sorry. What was that? Decipher. Oh, God. Anyway. Okay. Ah, let's see. Uh, I figured it out, I, I think it looks like. Um, so what do we have below us in the floor today? It looks to be... The entire floor, you think, is a way to interact with any items that might be underneath it to give information about that nearby device. Most of these, now that you are seeing the other text boxes kind of float around, most of them have kind of indecipherable purposes. Like the one that you popped up said, remove yellow. Remove yellow. Other ones do appear to be ciphers, things that would have legitimate and useful purposes. Some of them have like strange maybe side effects or quirks to them, and there does seem to be a number of like more powerful things that you would classify as artifacts, things that are a little bit more hefty in terms of their purpose. Like a storage catalog. I wonder how we access these things should we want them. Is there does it look like there's a depository somewhere where if we if we pressed another button it would pop up out of the floor somewhere? I imagine it would be the room that those other scavengers were in. Ooh, maybe. There is a button at the top that says extrude. We could give it a shot with something innocuous, just to see what that does. Essentially, you have oddities, ciphers, and artifacts. Do an oddity, I suppose. Oddity. You you find something that is a oblong metal, flat metal piece of metal, and on it it says, heartbeat matching tick. Hmm. 
Well, that seems innocuous enough. Um, let's see if there's a button for produce, please. That would be extrude. Yes. I will click extrude. And it disappears underneath, in, back into the liquid. Mm -hmm. And there's like a little spinning wheel of, okay, processing mm -hmm. that comes up. And then it says cargo 115. Okay. Well, it looks like it's ready for pickup. <laughs> Whatever cargo 115 is, which I'm imagining we are not seeing it around us currently in this room. Smaller, and you do remember when looking into that round room that the other adventuring delving group was in, each one of those alcoves did have a number above mm -hmm. it. Hmm. For sake of clarity and, and understanding, I'll say that numbers in this language are the same as the yep. ones you use. Excellent. <laughs> well, then... We have just delivered something to our friends in the other room, no doubt. Mm. All right. They didn't know we were here yet. They're probably going to know here in a minute. Well, not necessarily. Everything in here is kind of automated, so it doesn't necessarily mean somebody else is around. Also, if it's notifying us here where it goes, then there may not be a corresponding notification in that room. They were simply tearing open alcoves, hoping to find something inside. At this point, it is starting to get late. You are tired. It, you can't really see the sun, obviously, but you started your journey down into the chasm first thing in the morning, and you've been going through this space for quite a while, and you could easily surmise that it is starting to reach evening at this point. Well, this is probably the safest room to chill out as any. There's too much activity in the last couple, I think. So unless we want to backtrack significantly, maybe we should just stay here. What do you think? Sounds good to me. We should definitely keep watch, just in case our friends in the other room decide to move on in the night. Oh, yeah. I don't suppose anybody has any suggestions for um, maybe covering up the doorway. I know there's a door, but is that one see-through as well, like the rest have been? Exactly, so... Perhaps there's something to add opacity or more security? Any thoughts? My thought would be, and smaller and kind of points to this corner, my thought would be simply camp over here. There's not as much of a sight line, and they wouldn't be able to see us right away. Yes, let's do that then, I suppose. I'm, 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 I'm sleepy. Sleepy, 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 and trying to figure out how I must lay on my left side now. <laughs> There is too much arm on the right. You all start making a quick camp, setting out your bedrolls and handing out some rations and the like. Brex stands near the door that you all came in mm -hmm. and puts uh, Jelly Brex kind of near the other oh, door, uh -huh. not to be seen, but kind of like against the wall. So if something happens, mm -hmm. it's right there, ready to act if need be. It essentially offering to serve as watch oh. for the three of you, oh, if you'd like. Good. Oof. Love that. Team Brex. <laughs> we, we stand Team Brex. We stand Team Brex. And you all kind of hunker down for the evening and hope that uh, nothing else weird happens while you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. Woo! Thank you so much for listening to episode 86 of Imprinted Echoes and Amnesis. As always, if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Imprinted Echoes and our website, imprintedechoes.com. 
On our website, you can find links to the Ghostlight Media merch store and our Patreon if you're able to help us out monetarily. And on that note, I'd like to thank Roger, JJ and Veronica, and Connor for their continued support. If you'd like to help us out in other ways, take a moment to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, and tell a friend about the show. As always, you can find our hosts on Twitter, myself at Covered and Sawdust, Chase at TQ Loudly, Rin at Rin underscore Moran, and Bridget at Really Bridget. And of course, follow our network, Ghost Slate Media, at GLM Pods. Thanks once again for listening, and I hope you'll be back in two weeks to hear yet another episode of Imprinted Echoes. And until then, may your ciphers never malfunction. Imprinted Echoes is produced by Zayn Campbell-Johannes and Chase Greenley, and is edited by Alex Berkowitz. Original show theme music is by Justin Longacre. This has been a Ghost Light Media production.